Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Come on. What an awesome, awesome time in church. Hey, guys, guess what? Summer is here, right? Man, unloading this morning, we were just like sweating like crazy. How many of you got a pool? I want to see your hands so I can know who you are. So I might be sneaking over sometime soon. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take an inflatable pool. We rocked one of those last year when all the pools were shut down. I swear it was the best $30 I spent all of last year. We tried to keep the water in it more than three days. Um, You don't want to do that. It's not healthy for the kids, (laughs) right? Hey, listen, my name is Steven. I'm the lead pastor here along with my family and an awesome, awesome team. Um, We want to welcome all of our guests this morning. Can we clap it up for our guests? Listen, we are so thankful that you are here. We know, listen, there are a lot of incredible churches in Murfreesboro, and we're not doing anything any better, um, but we want to come alongside them and just partner with this faith community to make room in God's kingdom. Because we know that if every church seat was full in Murfreesboro today, there would not be enough seats. And so there are churches that are planting um, this fall that, you know, again, just making more room in the city and making more room in God's kingdom. And so if, if you are a guest with us, we want to invite you. We want to connect with you. There's really two easy ways to do that. One, you can text the word Avenue Connect right there from your phone. You'll receive a link. When you click on that link, it'll take you to a flow page, and the top of that is a digital connection card. want to invite you to fill that out. Give us as little or as much contact information as, as you want to, just so we can stay connected with you. We're not going to harass you. We'll send you a few text messages and um, emails just to let you know what's going on, to thank you for your visit. If you don't want to do that, um, if you don't trust Big Brother, right, you can fill out a paper copy uh, connection card at the Connection Tent, or actually the tent's not up today, but it, it will be in the foyer at our Connection Center. We also want to give you a gift just to say thanks for spending your morning with us. Everyone like coffee, right? We've got a, a incredible Avenue Church coffee mug. If you're a guest with us, take one home with you, and so that when you drink coffee on Monday, you think about the incredible time that you had on Sunday at Avenue Church. And then if this is your church home, please want to encourage you, use that link to let us know how we can pray for you, um, what's going on in your world, what we can do just to help and support you. Uh, Only announcement that we have is next week, uh, we have one of our overseers coming to Tennessee all the way from Elevation Church in Gadsden. Um, North Carolina, Pastor Jason Price. We were on staff together at my previous church. He was the youth pastor and had never heard of Stephen Furtick until he met me. And so I sent Pastor Stephen Furtick an email telling him that he had me to think. Um, I never got a response. Um, really because I never sent the email, <laughs> but I thought it would be cool. Like, look, you wouldn't have Pastor Jason if it weren't for me, but I want to encourage you, uh, be here. If you know someone that's missed the last couple of weeks, get him here. He's a preacher. Um, I'm a teacher. So bring your hankies, bring your good amens, bring your, you know, preach it, whatever you need to bring. I promise you, you will be encouraged. Um, 
and, and just strengthened by the word next week. So make sure you're here. All right, open up your Bibles to John chapter 17, um, looking at a message today called Better Together. Everyone say Better Together. I um, was kind of working on the message, and then we were at the beach this past week, and I like to listen to Jack Johnson while I'm at the beach. And he's got a song called Better Together. And uh, do we have anyone that puts together Legos and puzzles? Do we have any Lego-like fanatics, like you, like you do the big Star Wars Legos, and you do like the 1,000, 2,000-piece puzzles, right? Everybody was doing puzzles last year. I even did a puzzle last year, and I never do puzzles. And so I was, I was thinking about, I did Lincoln Logs. Anybody ever do Lincoln Logs? Yeah, come on, that's easy. Like, you just stack them on top of each other, and it makes a cabin. And then Tinker Toys, way back in the day, I had a little, like a, a box of Tinker Toys, and my dad made a fishing rod one time out of Tinker Toys. It was incredible the things you can do with that. I've never been really good at that, and so I was kind of looking online at different Lego sculptures, and Lego sculptures can get, get, get pretty um, intense. And so there's a zoo in San Antonio that in order to draw people into coming back to the zoo after quarantine, um, they were making Lego animals. And so I found this Lego lion um, pretty, I don't know if you can see it because of the light, pretty, pretty stinking intense. Um, It took like two or three people over 480 hours and like 48,000 Lego blocks. That is, it, it looks real almost, right? And so I thought... I can do that. So I made my own Lego line, and this is my Lego line. <laughs> it's really not mine, but if I were to make one, that's probably what it would look like. It's nine pieces, and it would have taken all of about 15 seconds because that's all the patience that I have. But if you go back to the, to the first one, just, just the intricacy and the detail of even the waves in the main. Like, it's not just mine would just be a square, but it's even got the waves in the main. And to think about, Spending the time and the patience and the ingenuity to put that together is pretty incredible. I don't have that. Anyone else have that? No, not, not at all. But when you think about the work that goes into it and the process, but the finished product, and really, if you've ever done anything like that, uh, the hardest part is getting the pieces to stay together. Uh, my middle daughter had a, had a frozen Lego piece, like Lego box, a few years ago, and it took us like two hours to put 400 pieces together. And just the intricacy of it and making sure that they all fit together, that they go in the right place, the patients following the directions, hello, like that's, that's a, a feat of its own. And what I found out working with people for the last 20 years, sometimes getting people to work together is worse than putting a Lego box together. Can I get an amen for all the managers and bosses out there like and coworkers? That's, that's the hardest part is getting people to work together. Um, and because we always want to do things our own way and our own time, we have our own perspectives, we have our own paradigm, we have our own experiences that we bring to the table, and there's all these differences. And if we're not careful, we will allow these differences to divide us. But really, we should allow these differences to unify us and complement each other. And, and like, I've done everything from coach kindergartners in sports. Anybody else? Dad's coached your kindergartner in basketball and soccer. It's basically just herding cats, right? And I've also now, I'm leading a church for the last six months and was a youth pastor. And I never really wanted to do anything besides youth pastoring because there's a chance that a teenager will grow out of it. But when you're pastoring adults, they're grown, right? Um, They've got more work. God's got to intervene. But here's what I'm finding. Like, sometimes 
not sometimes, a lot of times, it's hard to get people to work together, right? But what we have to understand is that we are better together. Can you guys say that? Say better together. And I wonder if Jesus ever looks at the church and he put all this time and energy and blood and sweat and tears and looks and say, man, I did such a great job. Because there's been times like if you've ever built something and you spent time, whether it was a puzzle or a Lego piece, and, and you leave it on the table and you leave the room and a kid comes in and just destroys it, or they take what you made and make their own thing. And that's why I say, like, I wonder if Jesus ever looks at the church, and I'm not talking about Avenue Church, but just Church Big C, and he spent all this time putting it together and making it. And he's like, I left the room for one minute, guys. <laughs> like, like, what have you done? And, and he looks because there's so many factions, there's so many divisions within the, the, the huge body of Christ, within the church Big C. And here's what we have to realize is that in, in order for the church to make a difference, like, like we want to shout at the world, like we need to be unified, we need to be together. But I've said this the last several weeks, like it has to start in here. But even beyond starting in here, guess where it has to start even beyond that? It has to start in here. Because not until we get it right in here can we get it right in here to get it right out there. But we can be very guilty pointing fingers out there like, you guys got to get it right. And we got to come all the way back to a mirror, guys, and all honestly and look at ourselves like, well, we got to get it right in here. And so I want us as Avenue Church, we're not doing anything new. We're not doing anything different. But I want this to be a place to where people walk in and they come and they find their place and they realize, look, we are better together. And, and, and looking at John chapter 17, that is actually Jesus's his final prayer for his disciples and John 17, it's right before he's arrested, right before he's crucified, and he begins to pray for his, him, himself. He begins to pray for his current disciples, and then he also prays for his future disciples. He prays that, that, that he would be glorified, not so that he can keep the glory, but so that his father can receive the ultimate glory. And then he prays for the disciples that he has that, that God would not take them out of the world, but protect them while they're in the world. And see, here's the thing, church. We're not supposed to be isolated from the world. We're supposed to be insulated from the world. So many times we try to separate, and, and yes, I get the scripture says come out, right? But we're not supposed to come out and stay out. We, should be iso we shouldn't be isolated. We should be insulated so that we can stay in the world, so that we can be the love bringers, so that we can be the hope bringers, so that we can be the changers, and we can be the unifiers that we want to see happen. And so he says, protect them while they're in this world. Don't remove them. And then we'll look in verse 17 and see Jesus's words here for his disciples. Uh, chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Verse 21 says, I pray that they will be what? One. Just as you and I are what? One. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, and I just caught this this morning as I was reading back over. He says, I've given them the glory that you gave me. See, Jesus' glory that he was bringing, that he wanted to receive, wasn't for himself, but it was so the Father could be glorified. And he's saying now, I'm giving my disciples the same glory, not for them, not for me, but 
for the Father to be glorified. And so you and I, we have this, this glory, but it's so that we may be one. And verse 23 says, I'm in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And he makes this prayer. He makes his prayer for future disciples. He says, for the current disciples, Lord, protect them. But now I'm praying for the future disciples that they will have perfect unity. So he's praying, think about this. When you think about all of Scripture and think about how the church has developed from, from Acts, he's praying in this moment, he's praying for Paul. He's praying for Timothy. He's praying for Titus and Philemon and, and all these small epistles that we see in the New Testament that, that help write the New Testament. Jesus is praying for them. Jesus is praying for Billy Graham. Jesus is praying for Stephen Furtick. He's praying for the back row convert and the front row saint. He's praying in this prayer for you and for me, those of us that are disciples, that are followers of Jesus, that we would be unified because we're better how? together. He says that they will experience such perfect unity so that the world will know. See, here's, here's what I believe the greatest battle that the church has faced, is facing, and will continue to face. It's not persecution. Because when the church is persecuted, guess what actually happens? It grows. Because the one, the author and the finisher of our faith our Savior was persecuted, and when the church is persecuted, it actually winds up growing. But I believe the greatest battle that the church faces is division. And if we're not careful, we allow these, I call them great dividers, to divide us within the church, but also big church when it comes to denominations and not like, like we're a non-denominational church, but guess what a non-denominational church is? It's a denomination, right? It's like, we're just not Baptists. We're not Methodists. We're, we're our own thing. But if we're not careful, we will allow certain things to divide the church within the local church, but then also the church within the greater Big C church. And there's three things that, that when I think about experiences that I've had after pastoring since I was 23 years old, almost 20 years now, that's incredible to, think depressing, but incredible, right? Is that I've been pastoring as long as some of you guys are old. Oh, man, oh, let me have a moment and I'll come back. No, but these are the three moments, these are the three dividers that I've kind of seen just through my experience. And, 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 and one is, is differences and disagreements. And we have these denominational traditions and worship styles and, you know, whether it's socioeconomic differences, whether it's skin color differences, whether it's preaching style differences, whether you go verse by verse or whether you teach topically, whether you sing hymns or whether you have drums and instruments. And we allow some of these differences to divide us within the full body of Christ. And we shouldn't major on the minors, but we should major on the majors and that Christ is Lord of all, that he is our savior, that he died for our sins. But so many times, like, like we make these, the saying goes, mountains out of molehills. 
And so we allow these differences if we're not careful, but then we also allow these disagreements that maybe we don't like how the pastor does things or we don't like how the staff does things or we don't like you know, how so-and-so believes or they're a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Libertarian, I don't know what I am, right? We, we allow these differences to divide us. And, and I think about, and I'm not saying it's any of you guys, right? I'm talking about things that I've experienced and maybe what's in my heart, not any of you guys. But could it be that sometimes there are people not in church on Sunday because of what they've heard us say about our church or another church on Monday? Because I know, like, guilty that I've had conversations at, at restaurants and in public where I had a disagreement or I had a, something that I didn't like that another church was doing or a staff member was doing. And, and in that conversation, I'm talking just in a normal voice, but could it be that there was someone who was lost been hurt by church, walked by, and they heard that conversation. They're like, yep, that's why I'm not in church. Because if we're not careful, we allow these differences and these disagreements to divide us. Second thing I think is a divider is hurts and pains. And some of you may be in here today and you've had church experiences that hurt. You were hurt by people. Um, and here's what I realized is hurt people do what? Hurt people. And if there's any place in the world that should be full of hurting people, guess where it should be? The church. I love the scripture that says that um, where there is no oxen, the stall is clean. But the strength is in the oxen. And essentially, you can look at that like a church would be great if it weren't for people. But guess what makes up the church? People, right? It's like we was at the beach this past week, and I love the beach. And the beach would be incredible if it weren't for the sand. Because it's like no matter how much like you, like you sh- brush it out of your hair, flop it off your towel, sand is like I still had sand in my ear yesterday when I was cleaning. It's just always there. But can I just tell you that if you go to church, if you're in a relationship long enough with people, people are going to hurt you. People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. And some of you may be here like you've been to church, you've done it, but you were hurt. And you're giving it another try. And it's, it's our hope that, that you're not hurt, but there's a chance that you will be just because people are people. And look, leadership, guess who leadership? Pastors, senior pastors, social pastors, they're all people. And we are imperfect. And sometimes we've been hurt from church. We've heard other people that have been hurt from church. And so they don't go because they don't want to be hurt. And here's like the crazy thing starting this church with a lot of Folks that came to want to be a part of the church plant team, they came with church hurt. And I was like, are you sure you want to do this? And here's the most incredible thing is they still want people to experience what they know to be truth. They still want people to experience what they know a Savior can give, that a healthy church can give. Not a perfect church, but a healthy church. And maybe some people, like, they don't come because of pain they've experienced, Maybe they've, they've lived a life that they're ashamed of. Maybe they've made some decisions that they're ashamed of. And so they've experienced pain. They've gone through storms. They've had heartache. And, and they're just ashamed. And maybe they even feel unwelcomed. And if that's you today, I want you to know, like, you're welcome here every single week. Every single day. Every single time our doors are open, whether it's at 116 North Walnut Street or we get our own location one day. Come on. Our doors are open and our seat is available for you. 
hurts and pains divide us. And we've touched on this, the third thing, schedules and priorities. And busy's the new fine. Busy's a badge of honor. And I, I, I really think church is changing. I think church is changing and, and how we do church is changing is going to look different. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I think it is changing. But, but what cannot change is the gathering together of God's people. And yeah, I get like life is moving at the speed of sound, the speed of light, and our calendars are full. But there still has to be a time and an opportunity where we make gathering together with God's people a priority. And we make time for it on our schedule. And, and Jesus actually tells a parable in Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. It's, you can make, it, make a mark of it, go back and read it. And it tells the story of this master who's creating this banquet. And he puts everything together. And the food's prepared. The decorations are set. They followed all the directions from Pinterest. It's perfect. Like, it's the perfect party. And, and the master says, go out and tell everyone to come in. And, and the servants go out and they come back like, Lord, we, we invited people. But one guy was too busy because he just bought a piece of land and he has to go check it out. Another guy was too busy because he just bought an ox and he had to go test drive it. Another guy just got married and he's got to spend time with his wife and his wife said he couldn't come, right? And so he comes back and they make all these excuses and the master says, well, go out and just invite everyone. And the ones who received the first invitation missed out. I don't want you to miss out on what God's doing. I don't want you to miss out on what God's wanting to do in your life and in the church. And so we, we, we need to put these dividers, these disagreements, and we need to put these hurts and pains aside and come together because guess what? We are better how? Together. The enemy works in isolation. If he can get us alone, separated from those who, who care about us and separated from his presence and coming together in worship, then, then he begins to whisper lies and insecurities and shame in our ear. And then we begin to isolate even more because we feel like we have no place to go. But I want you to know you always have a place to come here. And I don't want it just to be just about Avenue Church, but it's our heart. Like if Avenue Church isn't your home, man, find a church home to get into. Because we're better together. And here's what I know is, number one, is we need each other more than what we think. And I think as a society, we're becoming less and less connected personally and more and more isolated. Um, even those of us who are introverted, like at the end of the quarantine, we're like, I need people, right? I need to at least see somebody for 30 seconds, like face-to-face, -face, not through a screen. Like even our introverts, we're, we're realizing how much we need being connected with people. But here's what I'm finding out. It's like coming out of quarantine and, and coming back into society, like the new normal, like we were so excited to come back and be around people again. But here's what I find out, that are we not starting to regress back to our old ways? Is because we're getting comfortable again. We're taking for granted what we have again. But we need to come back and remember that we need each other way more than what we thought. First Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I love this chapter because it talks about the importance of, of the body of Christ and understanding that, that how the human body is made up is very similar to how the body of Christ is made up. And in verses 12 through 13, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, The human body has many parts, 
but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. He says, some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. Look, some of us are college educated, some of us are high school graduates, some of us are married, some of us are single, some of us are black, some of us are white, some of us come from a Baptist denomination, some of us come from a Pentecostal denomination, some of us come from no church background whatsoever in this room. But guess what? When we all come together, we are what? One. We all come together, we are one. And just as your hand is a part of your body, your feet are a part of your body, it makes up the whole body, each and every single one of you. When you're missing, part of the body is missing. When you're not using your talent, your gift, part of the body is weaker. And so we're all a part of the same body. And as individuals, as churches, whether it's denominational, we are all a part of the same body. It's I say this a lot, you know, when it comes to different denominations and made some really good friends with pastors in this city and is we all work for the same company, just different departments, right? We all need each other. I did this illustration as a youth pastor. There's some things you can get away with as a youth pastor that you can't really get away with as a senior pastor. And so I was trying to illustrate the importance of how we need all the senses in order to experience God. And so I wanted... Um, to, to illustrate this by using a hot pocket. Anybody remember hot, po- hot pockets, right? It's just so good. And so that, that you actually need all your senses to thoroughly experience a hot pocket. And so I brought some teenagers up on stage and, and I took away some of their senses. I took away like some of them they couldn't see and, and I took away two. So like for some, I took away their, their sight and their hearing. And for some, I took away their ability to taste and to hear. And so one guy, I had this great plan that I was going to take away his ability to taste and to smell the Hot Pocket. And so I made him stuff cotton balls up his nose so that he couldn't smell the Hot Pocket. And then I put duct tape over his mouth. (laughs) What I didn't realize is even though I took away his ability to taste and smell, I took away his ability to breathe. (laughs) And so he was just like, I can't. And so it's crazy. He I've never seen cotton balls shot out of someone's nose so far, right? But not only was he unable to experience the hot pocket, he would have died, right? And, and if we are not relying on each other as the body of Christ, guess what happens? We die spiritually. And I've heard people say so many times, like, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. And I get it. We're not perfect. We're messy. But the church is the bride of Christ. You can't love the groom and hate the bride. You can't be connected to the groom and leave out the bride. And so it's our heart that you would experience the fullness of what God has for your life. And that is by being in relationship with the rest of the body. And, and you need a church family to fully experience that. And beyond, like, I don't know how people made it in this last year without being connected to a church body, to a local church. And I know we were small and just a, a group of 15 to, to 50 during quarantine, but we met together every week and prayed, prayed for you. If we couldn't meet in person, we met in Zoom. Because you need each other more than what you think. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you more than I think. Wives are elbowing their husband. It's like, yeah, you do, Right? Now look at your neighbor and say, you need me more than you think. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> you need me more than you think. But here's the thing. We do. Guys, we need each other way more than what we think. And when we understand that, we can do way more together than what we think. Come on, we can do way more together than what we think we can. There's power in unity. There's power in, in togetherness. And God even points this out in Genesis chapter 11. And this group of people, they were like, hey, I got this great idea. Let's get together. Let's build a tower to heaven so that we can be famous and be known throughout the earth. And so they were making their bricks and their mortar and their tar, and they were building this tower. And it says God came down to take a look at all that was going on. And this is what he said. He said, these people are united and they speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible. See, God is even pronouncing and announcing the power that is in unity, that when the church is unified, when people is unified, there is absolutely nothing that we can't accomplish. But the problem in this story is that they had the wrong motives. They were trying to do something and accomplish something so that they could be famous. But it's not about making Avenue Church famous or making Stephen famous or Avenue Worship famous. It's not about any of that. It's about making God famous. It's about making him known. And so we see something very similar happen in the book of Acts chapter 2. It says that, that on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. The King James Version says they were, they were all in one accord and not the Honda, okay? But they were all in one accord. They were all in agreement. They were all unified. There was 120, 140 all together, praying together, unified in one accord. And as they were praying on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God fell. And lives were changed. And the world began to be turned upside down in that moment. They were unified in their motives, not making themselves known but making God known. And so, so when we look back at, you know, going back to those pictures of the good lion, like, like this is what 48,000 Lego bricks together can do. And the next picture is what nine Lego bricks can do, <laughs> okay? So if we can wrap this brain, like wrap this around our brain and get this understanding that all of our differences and, you know, those Legos are different shapes, they're different sizes, they're different colors, just as you and I are different shapes, different sizes, we have different giftings, we have different perspectives, but when we all come together, we can make something beautiful and we can do way more than what we think we can. And the last thing is this, is that we show God's love together. When we come together, we encourage each other, we support each other. When we come together, we accomplish great things. But Jesus says this. He says, may they experience such perfect unity in John 17, such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, that you love them as much. Not, not the miracles they perform, not the great sermons they preach, not everything great that they could do, but it says that may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know. See, church, that's where we've got to get to, that we experience perfect unity, that that, that is what changes the world. It's not a tradition. It's not a worship style. It's not hymns. It's not contemporary. It's not a teaching style. It's not a program. It's not an event. It's not a building. But it's unity. It's unity within the local church. It's unity within the church Big C. And look, this Friday night, um, 
experience community church is having their citywide worship night, I want to encourage you, look, go there. Like, it's downtown, is that right? Yeah, it's downtown on the square. It's at the square. It's at the square. I want to encourage you, go there. See how big this thing is that you're a part of. That it reaches beyond the walls here at Avenue Church. It reaches beyond the walls of Experience Church. It reaches beyond the walls of New Vision. It is, reaches beyond the boundaries of Murfreesboro and Tennessee. Reaches beyond the boundaries of this nation. And that we are just a part of something so much bigger. And, and I want Avenue Church to be a church that is unified within these walls. But I also want Avenue Church to be unified within this community with other churches and other pastors. And I want us to have friends that go to other churches. And I would love to see, like, you know, supporting each other's ministry. And there's a, a church that's starting in August, Alanaeus Church. And they were here at the beginning. And I like, like, real talk in the beginning, I was like, oh, another church in Murfreesboro? But Jesus, I'm just getting started. That's the flesh side of me. I have that too, in case you didn't know, right? But then I come back to God's word, like, no, God, we need more churches in the city. Like, bring more church planners to Murfreesboro because 25, 30 people a day are moving to the city and they're driving the houses, uh, like the prices of houses to like $300 a square foot, but bring them on, right? Come on. We need more churches because we need to pack heaven. And so here's, here's what, just kind of thinking through this, what, what does unity look like? when it comes to within Avenue Church, but then also within the whole body of Christ. Unity doesn't mean the absence of differences, disagreements, and diversity. Instead, unity is the presence of love in the midst of all those things. So many times we think, well, we can't disagree. We can't be different. We all have to be the same. We can't argue. You can still have all those things and still be unified when you have love in the center of it. And so I want Avenue Church to be that place. I want Avenue Church to be known for what we are for, not what we are against. And I think in the last several years, the church has been way louder on what we're against than what or even not what, but, but who we are for. Amen. And I think we need to come to a place that we are unified in who we're for and what we want to see happen. Um, Jesus says that I am receiving this glory so that you get the glory. And then he says, I'm giving this glory to my disciples so that you get the glory. And so if you're here today and you're a guest with us, thanks so much for checking out Avenue Church. Maybe you've been here on and off. It's, it's our heart that you would find a place here that you realize that we are better together. But it's not because of who we are, but it's because of who he is. Amen. So I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads just in this moment. And maybe you're here today and you've experienced something new. Maybe you felt a stirring in your spirit, a stirring in your heart, something that you can't really explain, that you can't really define, that you can't put your finger on, but you just know that something's different. And for you here today, I just wanted to let you know that's the Holy Spirit that is drawing you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that maybe you've been trying to live life on your own terms in your own way. And it's not worked out. And you've made some decisions and you've had some pain and some hurt and you've tried to fix it on your own. And it's not worked out. And maybe you've tried to cover it up. It's, scripture calls those things sin. When we do things that break the heart of God, those things are called sin. 
and those things separate us from a relationship with God. And maybe something you've experienced today or heard has started chipping away at that. And that's the Holy Spirit drawing you back into relationship with Him. And God's wanting to start a new relationship with some of you in here today, whether it's your first time or you're coming back into relationship. And that just starts by simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. You don't have to fix everything. You don't have to get it all in order. You don't have to memorize scripture. You don't have to do anything except say yes to Jesus. And in doing that, what you're saying is I'm turning away from my old life, the things that I used to do and tried to fix. And Jesus, I'm putting my life in your hands. And if that's you and you're here today, I want to ask you just to, to boldly just take a moment and just lift your hand just to lift your hand, just to acknowledge that I've tried to do things on my own and it's not worked. And I want to say yes to Jesus. Awesome. You can put your hands down here. Look up here at me. It's... Raising your hand doesn't save you, but it simply acknowledges that you need a Savior. And just in a moment, we're going to pray. And it's not my words that save you, but it's the communication and the conversation you're starting right now by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm giving my life to you. I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe that you died for me, were buried and raised again so that I could have eternal life with you and have forgiveness of my sin. And scripture says that in that moment that all those who are in Christ are a new creation, everything that's in the past is gone and your life is made new. And we do our best to follow him and his leading and his guiding through his word and his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you for those that raised their hand and maybe even those that didn't raise their hand, but they've raised their heart and they know that something's just not right in their heart. And Father, I pray that right where they're seated this morning, that they are experiencing your love, your unconditional love, not anything that they have to fix or clean up or get in order. God, that you're taking care of all of that right now. God, that when the enemy tries to whisper shame and condemnation and guilt, that they are reminded of what you've done in and for their life. So, Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. That it's by his death, his burial, and his new life that we have forgiveness of our sins. Not only do we have eternal life with you, but we have a new purpose and a new direction in this life because of you. And Father, for us as Avenue Church, I pray that you would lead and guide me to, to always lead this church in a way that helps us to realize that we are better together. God, within this faith community, God, within the walls even of this local congregation, God, that we would encourage one another, equip one another, disciple and love, and even at times correct one another. That we would realize that we are better together. So Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everyone says amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Listen.